You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? How are you doing, Erin? Um, I feel good. I've enjoyed this summer. It feels like I've been outside enough, and that was one of my goals, because normally I just am like, oh, I can get outside later, and then I just don't, and it's like October. <laughs> well, that's when so. I want to go outside is October. I don't want to go outside in the middle of summer. I have been craving a rainy day. Like they've been teasing me on my Google app and there's like, Ooh, thunderstorms. And then we just don't get them. And I have to continuously water all my plants, which I've done to myself, obviously. But I mean, I have to water my dogs, but I also <laughs> do that to myself. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I hope everyone's doing well. It's been a nice mm-hmm. summer so far. I'm glad everyone's come along for the ride. We're going to kind of take it back a little bit today and talk about a childhood favorite of mine, which is The Price is Right, because I loved watching that when I was sick or might not have actually been sick. I oftentimes just told my mom (laughs) I was sick and then stayed home because I was a horrible child. But always watch The Price is Right. Yeah, I love The Price is Right. Uh, My grandpa watched it, so I remember Mm -hmm. like being let's say in kindergarten and even the bad age where you did a half day of school. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes he would come pick me up because my mom was working. And sometimes he took me around to the different grocery stores because he went to all of the grocery stores in our little town instead of like one grocery store. Like I couldn't be bothered to go to more than one anyway. um, And he would watch all the game shows and it was just a blast because I would sit and eat my like chocolate donuts and watch (laughs) them. So that's a lovely memory. I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the perfect bid, the contestant who knew too much. This came out in 2017 or 2018, depending on where you look. It's an hour <laughs> and 12 minutes. <laughs> I found it on AMC Plus and it's directed by CJ Wallace. I went and got mine through Prime on Freebie, which I've done a couple times now, which has worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just have to handle a commercial or two. It's fine. Can I give some props out to the opening credits of this documentary, which were set in Prices Right graphics? So it was like they spin the wheel and like somebody's name came up and oh, it was just Chef's Kiss. It was so well done. It was. It I was think the documentary cute. itself was very well done in the extent that yes, they they kept with that theme and the music. And they did a really good job of sprinkling that in throughout. Yeah. And they even, there's some background, like the audience doesn't see, right? Some of the mechanics of the show, like what a contestant might experience beforehand, afterhand. And I really enjoyed that part too, because uh, as far as I know, you just, you're contestant, you're just dropped immediately into your seat. And then when Mm -hmm. the show is over, you just evaporate to your home. That's all I ever. (laughs) That's absolutely how it works. But still, yeah. Okay. (laughs) You know, what was interesting part of this is that they would talked about one part, they were talking about the prizes and, you know, they would send you the prizes. And it made me think of, do you remember on Wheel of Fortune 
when instead of just money or sometimes a trip, you got to buy stuff from like a room. You had a certain amount of money you won on like that puzzle. And that's the money you could spend buying objects from a particular room that they would show you. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I mean, I love the wheel, but yeah. I don't remember that part. Mm. Hmm. They didn't do that on Jeopardy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no. Uh, in Jeopardy, though, you used to only be able to win five games in a row. And if you won five games in a row, you won not only the money that you won for that period of time, but also two cars that you got to take home. Holy shit. Right. With Ken Jennings, he came on shortly after they had changed that rule. And he just went for like months, I feel like. And that's why it was like such a big deal that no one had done it before because it wasn't possible to do it before. Yeah. 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 I'm just a casual watcher of these. I was not uh, invested in the world of game shows at all. So I just knew I'd freeze up and I can answer yes. all the Jeopardy questions and stuff from home. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, I can play really well from my couch, mm -hmm. but, um, and Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> I think my friend's mom used to watch that, which is why I remember that, because I don't remember ever mm -hmm. watching it in my house, and I've seen it some, like, since I've become an adult, but only because it came on right before Jeopardy, we used to watch Jeopardy religiously when Alex was still alive. Right. But now that he's not there, I'm like, well, I'll watch I it sometimes, it's just not the same, mm -hmm. whatever. Anyway. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about... <laughs> the Price is Right. <laughs> oh, so good. This show has been around forever. Forever. Yeah. Would you like to know, um, I think I was texting you the other day because I went to a group lunch with some of my coworkers. And the TV, like in the Mexican joint we were in, happened to have The Price is Right on like, and I wasn't paying attention to any conversation. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, is that a guy model? What? So it was very fun for me to be like. I'm going to have to look it up now. And the show, like it's, it's, they've redesigned it, right? There's still elements of the old school, like big seventies flowers. Like there have been some uh, upgrades to that, but that's, there's some homage to some of those things and I was really excited to see it, but I was like, hot damn, am I going to have to start watching this now? I thought every, like all the daytime TV was just gone. So, <laughs> so do you remember back in the day when at like midnight, the channels actually turned off? Yes. So it's like that, but just during the day, is that what you imagine? It's just static after the national anthem? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just like reruns because uh, I know there's no more soap operas or at least there are fewer soap operas and that was a big deal for a long time oh I thought they still played so, all the soap operas I mean there have been like Young and the Restless and some of that is over with now so I think maybe they've introduced some new ones again I work <laughs> so I'm not an authority I haven't watched yeah. soap since I was in my 20s <laughs> and it depended on what roommate I lived it with and which soap they yeah. watched also, I want to let you guys know, I'm sorry if you hear something in the background. Apparently, something's going on in my neighborhood and there's a helicopter. I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> it's just been there for a while and it's not going away. So I apologize if you hear that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about The Price is Right, Erin? So The Price is Right started in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And it is an hour long program, I'd say. Um, and the whole idea is that there's a studio audience and you get called down to contestants row 
and then you make, they will show you a prize. And the whole gist of this is that you have to guess. And oftentimes it's who's closest to the actual value um, from contestants row. And then you get called up on stage. And then that's really where the good stuff gets started. So they have several different games and you're guessing on groceries. You're guessing on recliners and sometimes a car and sometimes a trip and sometimes an RV. It's like a giant sampling of all the consumer goods. And if you win your game, or even if you lose your game, you can still have a spot for what they're going to call the showcase showdown, which is the last bit of the show. And uh, two contestants bid on individual showcases, and it's usually a pretty sizable a trip and an RV combo or something like that. It's a, it, it keeps going up in price and all this kind of stuff. So again, you know, who's bidding to the closest dollar most of the time, and then you win. Well, so who gets the closest without going over? Those are the prices, right? Rules. Right. So sometimes it's the closest and sometimes it's not going over and, but I think there's some nuance yeah, it, in there somewhere. It depends on the game, but when you're on yes. the very, like on contestant row and with showcase showdown, you can't mm-hmm. bid over or you've lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this show has been on since the seventies, every single day, five days a week <laughs> is a fresh show. Essentially. Yes. I'm sure there are a couple of months in the summer they show reruns, but I assume most of them are brand new shows. I mean, they got a lot to pull from, if that's the case. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And since it's been going on since the 70s, they had the same host for most of that time, which was one Bob Barker. I think everyone knows. Right. Bob Barker. He had a great cameo in, oh, fuck, what's the name of the movie? The Adam Sandler movie. Happy Gilmore. Yes, thank you. And I feel like that's a great hook for the younger crowd. <laughs> like, I mean, younger is in like our age. <laughs> right. I was going to say that movie's from like the 90s or something. I don't think <laughs> younger really but is. But I mean, Price is Right, yeah, had been on for 20 years by the time, you know, I became aware of it. It was old news, but it was super popular. And Bob Barker is a consummate showman. I mean, he is a really good game show host he was it was really interesting to see the kind of behind Mm -hmm. the scenes stuff here because you realize he doesn't have a script these people have to go out there and almost be like comedians interacting with an audience to where you have to be quick you have to be engaging you have to be able to keep up yeah and he just nailed it he was really good at it working the crowd when we were talking about this doing this documentary, I was so excited because I was like, ooh, we get to talk about the silver-haired fox that is Bob Barker. <laughs> yeah, he's just uh, the pre-Anderson Cooper, right, of uh, right silver-haired dudes. Right, because mm-hmm. he was, yeah, he had silver hair and looked old when he started in the 70s, and he wasn't old then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would say he's among the most famous of game show hosts around here. I mean, you'll hear a lot of other names. We talked about Alistair Buck and um, obviously Drew Carey took over for him in the mid two thousands or whatever, but for Bob Barker, not Alex. I would guess. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) But yeah, he has that like 
long, thin microphone. It's like kind of, I don't know, just a a staple. It's just a classic thing. It's a Bob Barker thing. I don't know. It's just really funny. So there's just all kinds of small things you remember. Yeah. Do you think it was just like the 70s where they're like, this looks futuristic. We're going to use this. And then they stuck with it. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. I don't know. But I saw later in the documentary, they showed a lot of footage of Drew Carey. And his microphone, again, is like on a long skinny stick. But the microphone head part was like a lot bigger than like, I feel like we've gone backwards. I mean, it's wireless. They talk about, well, finally they moved over to a wireless mic, but mm -hmm. it's like three times as big as the other one. And I'm like, wait, what? But I just feel like in this day and age, couldn't you just have that little clippy thing on your shirt and <laughs> yeah. be done with it? I don't know. There's probably, there's probably a focus group that they had to go through and they're like, no, we have to have that mic. Yeah. It's quintessential prices. Right. So, and, and, and Drew came in and he was like, I feel a little uncomfortable with this small phallic mic. I need something to look bigger to represent me more. <laughs> Is that what he was thinking? <laughs> Maybe so. Oh, oh good. So funny. Okay. So not only is this show about The Price is Right, but it's about one particular contestant, Mr. Ted Slauson or Theodore Slauson, depending on the day on what he wants to be called, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I think he's driving that because they, they kind of talk about how those name tags get made. <laughs> yeah. So Ted grew up watching The Price is Right. And he kind of points out something that we tend to forget is, when I grew up, we had one TV in the house. We did not have cable. And in the seventies, you didn't have cable. It didn't exist yet. And you have four channels at best. And odds are only one or two of those actually came in well. Right. So if you have multiple people in the house watching this television, you all have to agree on what you're going to watch. And in his house, it was the price is right. So that's what everyone kind of agreed on. And so we just started watching it every day. He's also a math teacher. And so he's got, got that number thing down and apparently a freakish memory. It, he doesn't say he has an eidetic memory, but it seems like he has a pretty good fucking memory, all things considered. I would think so. I find it fascinating that as a kid, as a kid, he starts charting this right because he notices that the same fridge freezer combo situation is on four different episodes and i think that's what kicks off his thought about like holy shit are they kind of recycling this which mm -hmm. makes sense to me you know that would make yeah. it easier for production well i mean how many different products can you possibly get right if you're doing five shows a week, each one's an hour long. You have so many different games and so many different prizes. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you can only have so many things. And I would think part of this is what sponsors provide. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's probably all kinds of weird logistics because they don't talk about that here. But my, you know, brain says, if you're producing it five days a week, you're going to have to have some kind of thorough system for this. But I just think it's funny that a kid recognizes and is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to chart this. Oh, was there Excel at this time? I don't know. <laughs> like, was he, no. was there a notebook? I don't know. So anyway, I agree. Your number, your theory about the numbers just kind of um, being attractive to him. I, I totally, I second that a hundred percent. Right. He did start once 
he got into computers, Mm -hmm. building a database of prices. And he even programmed his own prices right game it's a dos based game so yeah. most kids today will have no idea what that is but right that's a lot of work for a goddamn game is all i'm gonna say and i remember because i had to do that shit myself right it's got i mean it's it was probably like space age at the time in the yeah. 90s when he said he did it and there are a couple brilliant moments where they show an ever expanding thing on screen of what the spreadsheets look like. And I thought of Steve <laughs> so hard. I need a call to be like, you are on my mind. Uh, that's our, at least my super Excel friend. But, um, mm-hmm. and then they're playing like two things, Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is a great classical um, sound think Fantasia. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they also do the William Tell Overture, which is also kind of the Lone Ranger theme. So it's sort of like a sweeping um, audio moment and a sweeping video moment because you're like, Jesus Christ, how did he do this? So I didn't think, how did he do it? I thought, why did he do it? <laughs> well, it's yeah. So he says he tapes it every day and he usually has to make four or five additions. So I mean, but that's just additions. Like, so he's still like mapping out the rest. And I'm just like, that's so much time. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So much time. He finally, when he turns 18 and he can go to the show, him and his friend drive down to LA from Northern California or farther north than LA, Sacramento, Mish. I don't know where they live. It's a very big state. It is a very long state. Mm-hmm. And So they drive down and then they get in line to see the show. So people start lining up in the middle of the night for this. I guess they tape three days a week, usually Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And the first 300-ish people get in. So you're hoping that there aren't more people in front of you than that. And they come out at a certain time in the morning. The producers come out and other people give you name tags, talk to you. You want to stand out because in talking to the producers and the people who work on the show, you want to stand out so they call you, right? So they're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. who they're going to call up to contestants row at that time. Right. So knowing that to a certain extent, he had made himself a shirt or his friend made him a shirt, I think, Mm -hmm. that said, I'm here to kiss Holly. Holly was one of the models who presented mm-hmm. the prizes and such. Mm-hmm. Lovely. I remember her. I mean, Stunning. we never met, but I do remember her from the <laughs> show. <laughs> yes. So, you know, he kind of stood out to the extent that the producer was like, oh, look at that shirt. But then he was kind of stunned and nervous and didn't really have much to say back. So the producers sure. just went on and yeah, went on right. with life. So they're looking for people who will make for good TV, right? So like right. a lot of energy, like maybe a fun story, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, because again, you're looking for people that Bob Barker can interact with. And again, you know, not have a lot of weird dead air time. <laughs> so that's why they're right. kind of doing these interviews up, up front. So that's kind of interesting. Right. So he doesn't get picked for this show. I mean, rephrase that. Mm-hmm. He gets to go in and watch an audience, but he does not get called up to play. He does start yelling at the prices. If you have ever seen the show, you realize that once an item is up for bid, once they're done describing it, 
then people in the audience just start yelling out suggestions of what the people should bid or what numbers they should do, whatever. And at first he's very shy, but then he starts yelling out the exact number and he's getting it exactly right every time, but no one's right. really paying attention to him. So mm-hmm. that's okay. He moves on with life. Right. And as a contestant, you can like look back at your buddies and mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, kind of confer before you enter your final estimate, you know, so that's kind of unique, you know, so I thought that's fun. That's true. It is. I don't know of any other game show where they're allowed to get help from the audience, right? You're, it's a one-man band most of the time. Do it by yourself. Right. Um, he tries to go more often after that. Um, he said he mm-hmm. tried to go every year, but I don't think that quite worked out so well. And he, he also mentions, like, trying to go with friends, like, trying mm-hmm. to coordinate. Because, I mean, that would be my in, instinct, too. But then at some point, he's like, I don't have to wait on these you know, weirdos, I can totally go by myself. And I was like, oh, that's obsession. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you don't mind be a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. He, the first six shows he goes to, he was not picked as a contestant and no one's really listening to his suggestions when he's yelling out bids. Now we get to the summer of 1990 And he went down to see a show. He's in like the fifth row. So he's closer now. He could probably be a bit louder. And they were describing an item for the four people on contestant road to bid for. And as soon as they were done describing it, but before anyone else had a chance to say anything, he blurts out really loud what the exact price is. And Bob is like, right, like easy there, hot pants, you know, (laughs) all down. Right. It's like the loudest thing, like in a moment of dead air, like everybody's probably taking in a breath and he's like 1400 or whatever. (laughs) Uh. And what's interesting is, you know, Bob does notice him. He jokes with him, interacts with him a bit. And Bob does come down during a break and talks to him a little bit. So he becomes a little bit of a, a thing. One of the contestants notices that he had gotten the price exactly right and starts listening to him a little bit. But then of course he said it was the first thing that came out was something he'd never seen before. So he's like, mm-hmm. like 1575 or whatever, just guessed it. Right. So he's got um, his, yeah, his system doesn't incorporate everything. He admits at the beginning, like trips are really hard. Um, Cause he's like, I don't know where they're leaving from and I don't know. And um, so you know, he also figures out in time that not every car has the standard packages. Like there are different details that change the prices. And so, you know, his system has to adapt to incorporate some of this crap. So he gets burned a couple times in a few of these instances where he's trying to help out. I mean, really, he's not getting anything other than just some airtime. So right. he's trying to be, you know, kind of, yeah. Right. He's just joking around in that. He does help out <laughs> this contestant a little bit. And if they listen, then they tend to do well. But there are some games that, mm-hmm. like Plinko, it's chance, right? You can get more pucks by getting better at bidding. But once you have the pucks and how much money you get, that's all up to chance. So once you're playing your game, a lot of times it is what it is, right? Best of luck to you, right? Right. I'd like to talk to a statistician about where you start Plinko versus where you end up. I'd be, that'd be interesting. 
any statistician, let us know. Not that I'll ever get on any of these game shows, but just saying. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they. I mean, because of this episode, they start recognizing him when he shows up for other episodes. He becomes more of yeah. a familiar face to the producers and that. So that's kind of cool. You're like mm-hmm. part of the gang, you know? Yeah. And he is able to help at least one lady win her showcase within 400 bucks. So, I mean, there are some... I mean, he's got some street cred building up, right? Which I'm right. sure that he enjoys. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's he's continuing to go to tapings. He goes with family. He goes with his partner. One year, he decides to go kind of to back-to-back shows. Like he said, they're taped Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So he went Monday, he went Tuesday, and he decided to go Wednesday as well. So that was his 24th taping. And he decided to wear the original Holly shirt again first 24th taping and this time he was actually picked to go up to contestant row Mm -hmm. and of course bob recognizes him so that's kind of cool but the first item that was up for bid is a patio set and it's funny because they kind of show his his spreadsheet like you said and they're like oh there are three options for this patio set which what is it and he's like he doesn't know which one it is and so he went with the lowest bid and unfortunately, someone bid just over that, and it was one of the higher options. So he didn't get it. And the second item was a recliner. That one he knew. He got it dead on. So he got an extra 100 buckaroos for that, because if you get it exactly right. Yeah. And his game was the punch game. I always thought that was a fun game. <laughs> so you have to bid on items. You have up to four chances to bid on items and they give you a price and you have to determine whether it's higher or lower, whether their actual price is higher or lower. And he gets all four of them. Correct. So he gets four punches. It's a big wall of like paper in front of holes and in the holes you punch through mm-hmm. there are cards in there that tell you how much you want. Right. Up to $10,000. Right. So he punches four holes. The first one they pull out is a thousand dollars. He realized mm-hmm. his odds of getting more than that are slim to none, considering how many cards there are and how many there are, how many amounts are above this certain amount. So he just keeps the thousand dollars and moves on, which was a good choice, right? Right. And the audience is not having it. They are booing. They are not happy about it. Yeah. But then, of course, Bob kind of walks through the rest and they realize that you know, every next one is worse than the first one he got. So I, I, he again knew what his odds were mm-hmm. and uh, kind of stuck with it. So a thousand bucks, not too shabby, not too shabby. And because of his shirt, he actually got to kiss Holly. So mm-hmm. at first it seemed a little gross because Bob was like, listen, Holly, come give me a kiss so he can move on with his life. And so she kind of laughs and walks over, but they just kiss on the cheek and they hug. It's very sweet. But then she does take him and kisses him right Mm -hmm. on the mouth. Now it's a real quick chase kiss. But I was like, girl, all right. I feel less dirty about it now. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is really sweet. Mm -hmm. And the shirt gets a couple laughs because it says here to cast Holly. And then on the back, it says, "Mm, sorry, Bob's frowny face. And it's, you know, kind of a, yuck yuck moment yeah Uh, so right and so then he his game is finished Mm -hmm. but he does have a chance to go to the showcase showdown as everybody does Mm -hmm. so he spins once and gets 
I don't know, something. I think he spends again mm-hmm. and he ends up with 55 cents. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to get closest to $1. Yes. If you get over a dollar, you lose. Mm-hmm. So the cat that comes up right after him and spends got like 70 cents. So Ted's out. Right. No showcase showdown right. for him. He's bumped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the rules of the Price is Right were that if you ever were chosen as a contestant, you were no longer eligible to be a, t- a contestant again. That was it. That was your shot. Mm-hmm. Right. One and done. Yep. So this was a shot. He understood that. He won from the show $100 for the perfect bid, the $1,000 for the punch game, the lounger, and then all the prizes he had to bid on to get the punches. So a coffee maker, some kids' clothing, although I don't think he has kids, um, a weight set, and a photo laminator. Right on. That's not bad for doing something he enjoyed doing anyway, right? I do think it's funny that the the recliner is a Berkline recliner, and so they got a hold of him, and they're like, here are your upholstery choices. Did you notice what he picked? Pink? Like, a super pale pink. And I'm like, that is some 80s shit right there. (laughs) It was something else. Yes. Gorgeous. Like, the recliner was really pretty. And I'm not even saying that the color was a bad choice. It just seemed like a strange choice. In the early 90s, mauve was a really big thing, right? 100%. Oh, my God. My friend's mom's house, like, mauve carpet, mauve curtains, mauve front. It was just... I throw up in my mouth a little bit just thinking about it now but yeah it was even then i was like that's excessive so can we get any neutral just any neutral (laughs) any (laughs) yes i'm thankful my mom was much better decorating than that so Mm -hmm. i didn't have to live in that thank god so such a fad i love it (laughs) but anyway that really stood out to me i was like uh, uh, they had like a nice gray and a brown option I mean, it's like leather, you know, it's like, oh, so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he, for the most part, stopped attending show tapings to do other things and hobbies and whatnot, but he still kind of kept up with the data and the numbers. He still watched the show. So it was still part of his life. Mm-hmm. And 10 years later, he decides to go back to watch the show with some friends and family. It's his 26th taping. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how his dad was kind of pimping him out to some of the other contestants in line. <laughs> like, hey, my my son knows everything. Just listen to him if you get up there. And I'm like, okay. That sounds about right for families, You're like, right? Oh, can he just be cool, right? <laughs> right. So they end up being in line with uh, a couple cats, two brothers, one shall remain nameless because Ted couldn't remember his name. But the, the bigger player in this part is a, somebody named Brandon. And mm-hmm. Brandon has some lofty goals in this. He thinks he's going to get called up to contestants row. He's going to get the perfect bid. He's going to get the $1. He's going to win his showcase. I mean, like, and he's going to run off with all the money. I mean, he's just like the highest goals in Price is Right. He's going to hit all this shit. So I think that's why Ted remembers him. <laughs> Yeah, and he had, like, this is the middle of the night they're lining up, and this kid had, like, boundless energy. Right. So he kind of stood out in that way as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kid gets called up. So. Yeah. 
There we go. He gets called up to contestants mm -hmm. row. He, I can't remember if he got the perfect bid. Did he? He did end up getting the perfect bid. I can't remember if he had a bit of a slow start or not, but um, yeah, he got the perfect bid. He got called up to stage and mind you, he has tuned into Ted's advice during mm -hmm. this. So Ted's feeding him some answers, which is okay. Can be done. Mm -hmm. I think in this one, they're sitting like a row or two right behind contestants row. So they're right. like super available. Right. There. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And then, so in his game, he wins a car, which is what he wanted. So good mm -hmm. for him. When he goes mm -hmm. to spin the wheel to get into the showcase showdown, he spins a dollar, which yeah. is really rare. Right. For the showcase, he won, and he was off. He wasn't off by that much, but he no, won. it was really close. Yeah. He won a computer, a pool table, and another car. Like This kid was just raking it all in, right? Yeah, pretty awesome. What I love is that afterwards, you know, Brandon was giving Ted a hug, like, thank you so much for helping, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to keep in touch with you you know, can I have your phone number? And, and Ted's like, well, I can give you my email. And the kid's like, well, I don't have a computer. And he's like, um, you just want a computer. And it's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Hopefully you can get internets where you live. Hopefully you can, yeah, have to have that. So, but I think that, you know, Ted again, calls some attention to himself during this exchange. And one of the no-nos uh, of being in the audiences you can't have price lists right so you can't bring anything in with you so I think he caught the, the attention of some people and they were kind of trying to make sure he didn't have that and all he had was his big old dude brain so <laughs> yep that's all he had was that big old dude yeah brain. yeah yeah absolutely so they are kind of keeping an eye I mean it's not all just Ted's back or Theodore blah 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 I mean they're kind of aware of him in that way <laughs> so Right, right. Some of the producers have noticed they're kind of keeping their eye on him. Mm -hmm. Bob Barker's last season is in 2007. And the following year, so Bob Barker was on the show for 35 years. His producer, Roger, what was his last name? Dobkowitz. Okay. Roger Dobkowitz. He started at the very beginning with Bob Barker as well. So this was his first job out of school. He's been there for the ride the entire time. And one year after Bob decides to retire, they can, they shit can Roger. Yeah. Yeah. Which Roger was really gracious about. He's like, this is not um, unheard of for producers. Like they just want to change the direction of the show. And um, I do, I really did like, uh, Roger is a human being because he really loved The Price is Right. He talked about, you know, how unique it was. And he'd written his thesis on game shows, which I would, I'm just, I would love to read. Like, what was that about? But yeah, he, he just seemed to be um, just a lovely human being. So I hated to hear about him getting fired. Bob does say something weird about him. And I didn't know if you caught it, but he said that, Roger had always protected him. And I'm like, the only thing that I remember, there was some scandal for the old Bob Barker that he had sexually harassed some of the models. And I don't remember that woman's name that 
had beef with him, but that's the only thing that I can think of that was maybe a protection issue. Now it could have been like negotiations for contract. I have no idea. Right. So. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. that scandal very briefly. I don't remember what came of it. I don't remember the extent of the harassment or anything like that. It, it clearly didn't really affect his life. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think, I feel like it was one of those things that was settled out of court. You know what I mean? And we just don't ever know what happened, but I remember what I remember the model and what she looked like. You know what I mean? She was again, one of the mainstays there. Mm-hmm. So hopefully she got a giant payday and a lot of counseling. I don't know. Right. Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. On the heels of Bob leaving, Drew Carey took over, as you mentioned. He was just coming off of, he was a stand-up comedian who had his own show for a while and then went into mm-hmm. game show hosting. So, yeah, is he still hosting it when you watched it the other day or saw it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was still on there. Kind of during this time. They have some footage of him talking to Kevin Pollack, mm-hmm. who I think was an early podcaster, um, although there's obviously footage of that. So I don't know. It wasn't like a talk show, but there was something going on there. And uh, the Drew Carey on stage and Price is Right and the Drew Carey of sitting around talking to Kevin Pollack. Uh, one is very much more blue than the other. I mean, like he's a real professional on, on stage, but he is cussing up a storm and it is hysterical when he's talking to Kevin Pollack. So. Right. I think it's interesting when you see people <laughs> like, cause I knew Drew Carey, not personally, obviously, but I knew his work prior to becoming this. Right. And so seeing him being clean cut is what's different. Whereas you think of someone like Bob Saget, who you see on America's Funniest Home Video or Full House, and then you see a stand-up, and he's just this dirty motherfucker, and you're like, oh, Bob. <laughs> Where did that come from? I mean, obviously, he's passed away, so he can't do this, but I, know, I think that would have been a thing to do, to just go to his show and watch all the people <laughs> who thought they were going to watch Danny Tanner or whatever the fuck his name right? was. And it was oh my Bob gosh. Saget among yes. the most filthy his, he was hilarious. Holy, I love watching his comedy. You guys, so if bad. you've never seen so his stand-up, go watch it. But it is yeah. really R-rated. <laughs> Be prepared. Right. So there were some overtones of this, right, going on mm-hmm. in some of that footage. It was really funny. Yeah. So you have Ted still tracking prices, still watching the show. It's just kind of what he does. He still goes every now and then to try to help people out. You know, he enjoys helping people win. Apparently, at the end of season 36, they decided to change the rules. And they decided that if it had been more than 10 years since you had been on this show, you could be a contestant again. And so Ted's like, oh, shit, yo, here we go. (laughs) He wants to get back on the show. So he starts studying really hard again, right? All the prices. Right. Right. Um, I think he's a man who really takes a hold of that summer break time <laughs> to live his life. Yes. So now we get to the summer of 2008. I believe this is taping 36 for him. Again, he's in line at whatever time of night. 
um, they are at the very beginning, like the very uh, front, early part of the line. Yeah, front of the line. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, it's a tough word. <laughs> he's in line with um, somebody named Terry Nice, and mm-hmm. Terry's wife Linda shows up. I guess she's just driving around parking the car. There's like a little bit of an exchange about, like, I didn't understand that part, but it was funny. So Linda joins them. And so this is kind of when the story of the perfect bid comes in, which was surprising to me that it wasn't Ted. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. So you hear this. So you see the story of the perfect bid, which was actually Terry who got the perfect bid. Mm hmm. And we're talking at the perfect bid on the showcase showdown. Now, this has never happened before. And if you get the perfect bid on the showcase showdown, you win both. Actually, I thought it was if you were within $100 or something, you win both showcases. But I don't remember the exact rules. Either way. I have that they did have one in the early 70s. But still, I mean, practically, you know, for all intents and purposes, it is never happened, (laughs) you know? Right. Yeah. And so he gets the exact price. He becomes this like media sensation and you hear him being interviewed by someone, let's say a radio show or something. Mm -hmm. He's talking to maybe it's a podcast, who knows? And, you know, he's talking about how he doesn't ever say Ted's name. I don't think. Right. I did not catch that either. Yeah, he's talking about how they're in line, they're they're playing, you know, pricing games in line, you know, different items, what is it, blah, 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 like quizzing each other, essentially sure. flashcards, I'd assume. Mm-hmm. And he talks about his strategy and how he's memorized everything and how he gets up there and does this. But then you see the footage. And it doesn't look like he remembered everything. Yeah. Looks like he was getting some help from the audience there. Right. So Ted is sitting by his wife, Linda. And again, we said it is not frowned upon to be like, you know, kind of coordinating your bids with, you know, your peeps in the audience or whatever. So I think Linda is being fed some information by Ted. She is giving that information to Terry. He ends up going with what she says, which was right down to the dollar. And he hits. So I don't know if they had talked like maybe don't bring my name into it or I was unclear on what was going on there. Because Ted didn't seem like particularly pissed that he wasn't mentioned. He didn't. It was unclear why Terry did not bring it. It To me, it sounded like Terry wanted all the credit for being good at the game. Like, okay, it, nothing was chance for him. This is something he worked hard for and he earned it type of situation. Right. Oh, it was skill. It was skill. Okay, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. So that's why when the interviewer at one time says, Oh, did you cheat? Were you working with anyone? He's like, no, it was just me. I knew this. I, he was like, I knew that this item would have been about $2,000 and this item would have been about $5,000 and this item would have been about this. He was ishing everything. And for someone who's ishing mm-hmm. the whole thing, he comes up with a very exact number. He didn't say 23,000. <laughs> he said 23,743. That's mm-hmm. a very exact number for someone who's just like, nah, it's about $10,000. You know, your story doesn't jive, dude. Right. And mind you, there's a lot of footage of this. So you can kind of 
see him looking to the audience. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like who he's getting his information from is sitting right by Ted. So, I mean, I believe that Ted was able to, you know, puzzle this one out. Uh, The second showcase happened to be like pretty trip heavy. So Mm -hmm. Ted was like, if they had gone that one, I would not have been able to really, you know. Well, and I think the amazing thing is that showcase, I think the chick bidding on that was like within $400 on like a $30,000 showcase. So she was really, really close. And I'm sure when they said the price and where she she was, she was probably like, I fucking got this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a real shame um, for that lady, but it is an incredible feat on the other side because of course that never ever ever happens right but yeah it was it was interesting because ted said you know he kind of had some inkling that some shit was afoot right because the producer like was doing some weird behavior walking around talking to some people they stopped the show for about 10 minutes while everybody was kind of being like is this really fucking happening Right. Right. It's so funny. Right. And this producer happened to be the one that was kind of checking to see if he had price sheets before. Yes. At a previous taping. Yeah. And so she kind of knew who he was and was mean mugging the fuck out of him. She was just staring him down from (laughs) stage. He's like, whoa. I think he was probably a little concerned about his safety at that point. And it's interesting because... It's the skill set that he has, it's not going to appeal to a lot of people. It's a lot of time. Uh, most people are too lazy to be this dedicated. You know what I mean? There's other ways to earn money um, <laughs> than this. It might be a little bit more cost effective, if you will. So I think that this isn't going to be a commonplace thing. It takes a lot of work. Um, so a lot of people aren't willing to put that in. So I think it is a rarity that they would run into some weirdo that knew all this stuff so uh but yeah he he took the house basically for somebody else but still yeah you know Mm -hmm. yeah and drew carey and talking to kevin pollack said one he thought he was going to lose his job he's like this has never really (laughs) happened before and he's like that's it they're gonna fire the show's (laughs) over like that's it we have no more money we were betting on one of these going back in the pot i don't know (laughs) (laughs) right But they did learn from it. So what's interesting is they learned kind of, okay, we can't have the same items over and over again. Just get a different brand, get a different accessory, get something different so it's not so repetitive. So you generally are not going to have this problem again, right? And so they made a lot of changes to try to mitigate this from happening Mm -hmm. again, which is good. Not for Ted, but... I mean, I was thinking, like, it's a capitalistic society. Surely they've got options. Yeah. Well, and one of the nice things uh, Roger had mentioned, one of the things he really liked about The Price is Right is you always felt like the show really wanted you to win and Bob really wanted you to win, right? They weren't like, mm, you really want to bid that. You know, I mean, they were rooting for them, which is rare. Right. So... I mean, let's let's be honest. Alex Trebek could be a little condescending from time to time. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> could be. Um, I think you meant Mozart. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Makes sense now, doesn't it? And you're just like, oh <laughs> shit. 
oh, calm down, Alex. But yeah, so by going this route, it seems like maybe they're taking some of that camaraderie between the game show and the contestants away. They're like, um, the house always wins from here on out. No more of this shit. Yeah. So, right, right. I do love the fact that there was some speculation that this was a bit of a scandal, right? Because when Roger was fired, he was much loved. And they thought maybe there was some infiltrating from people, a particular fan group to get into the audience, to get on the staff, to kind of make it right. I don't know, like how this would have benefited Roger other than just like schadenfreude. (laughs) They're like, was Ted a plant? (laughs) And then they just kind of figure out that that's not a thing. But there was like hubbub about it, right? Right. Andrew talks about that to Kevin. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And poor Roger's like, what? <laughs> he had no idea. He's like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So. I mean, so they show his quotey fingers leaving party or whatever it was. And it seemed very uh, pleasant. He is mm-hmm. pleasant. Like nobody is, you know, having some kind of weird tirade. He seems like a class act dude. Right. And I'm not thinking he's like fretting for money. He probably did okay. And, you know, he just doesn't seem bitter about it at all. So I liked that right. about him. Yeah. Yeah. Once Bob left, I'm sure the atmosphere was different. And I'm not saying it was a bad atmosphere, but it was probably like he probably didn't mind being let go because it's like it's just not the same, you know? Right. It's changing of the guard, I think. Mm hmm. You know, businesses have to change. You know, they have to evolve. And mm-hmm. so, and I don't blame Bob. I mean, to be on the same show for 35 years in show business itself for 50, I mean, mm-hmm. shouldn't you take some of that money that you earned and go enjoy yourself? Now, he is interviewed. I don't know if it's specifically by this documentary or it's just other footage. It's not made clear to me. And he looks like he's about a thousand years old. I was like, is, you know, so I don't know how old he is at the time, but he's, he seemed like he was still with it pretty good. And I thought that was cool. So yeah, it was an interesting documentary. Mm -hmm. It was a fast watch. I felt like it went really fast. I thought so too. Yeah. It was very nice and streamlined with the we're getting to mm-hmm. the plot right and i i like that sometimes meandering i'm like oh mm-hmm. can we just get back to the plot <laughs> so so it was i just i really enjoyed it it was a, it was a quick watch and it and it made me feel a little bit like a kid again so yeah overall a lot of positive impressions like i said i i think the only uh negative thing in here well i'm gonna say two negative things in here number one there was some scandal with the bob barker so i don't want to make it sound like i'm the biggest fan in the world i just you know he just seemed like a cool dude at the time Mm -hmm. the other is that there are no women in this and i'm always like why are there no women on this whole thing i mean there are women in pictures isn't that enough (laughs) erin women almost win things women are on camera yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah can't be bothered to interview them they can't have anything positive to say well this is a numbers game so why are they involved (laughs) (laughs) thank god Uh, ted was there to help them i know (laughs) good times 
Good times. Okay. Do you have an honorary errand for the week? I do. Um, following my previous thought, my honorary errand is Holly because I think she had to put up with a lot of shit and she was, you know, a gracious person giving out mm-hmm. her uh, autographed photo and kissing mm-hmm. a dude on camera when she had to. So, yeah. Yeah. She seemed like cool peeps. She really did. Along the same vein, my honorary Aaron is going to be Ted's partner, who they never named. <laughs> but I'm assuming <laughs> he also had to put up with a lot of shit because that's a really Dude, weird hobby to have. Long suffering. <laughs> yes. Yes. And just like yoinking out all the time to go and like be wherever overnight talking to weirdos right. in line. I love it. I'm just saying if every vacation is to the same place, no. <laughs> No, find right. something new. Right. Yeah. You better be checking for a second life. Yeah. Although we didn't get his name, I'm going to name him A.A. Ron. So there. Oh, love that. Mm-hmm. Good job. Okay. Yeah. I liked this one too. Um, uh, recommend for me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you guys, I can't wait. What are we going to do next week, Erin? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this was born out of a tiktok that we were sending i think Erin sent it to me first and asked why is there no documentary for this and then she found one and made my week (laughs) we're doing hobby horse revolution 2017 (laughs) an hour and 28 minutes i think it's on tubi and it might be worth purchasing if you can find it because this is people specifically teenagers Riding and grooming toy horses. So the toy horse with the like the head and then the stick and you just run around on it. That's and jump over doing. things. And it's the most bizarre. They have competitions for this, you guys. Yes. It's so bizarre. And it's, I didn't see any men doing it or boys. It seemed like all females. So we might need to do better with therapy for young girls is all I'm saying. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll get into that. There's probably some uh, dissuasion if you're a dude Mm. with Mm. something fanciful like this. So we'll see. But I personally am thrilled to pieces to get a little (laughs) bit more of uh, something like this in my life. Because from what I saw on the TikTok, it was legit. I know. I know, right? (laughs) I I mean, I can't. It's like a big stadium and there's like the jumps and stuff look like they do in the Olympics. I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of like the first time you hear about bronies and you're like, this is a mockumentary, (laughs) right? This isn't real. And then you find out it really is real and you're just even more confused. I swear to God, we better not get into this. And it's like fraught with uh, scandal and it's everybody's super temperamental. It needs to be fluffy. At least that is my head. I don't know. So, yeah, there better not be any like baseball, bass to the knee <laughs> kind of situation here. We're not taking anyone out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. How are you going to extend for some of these walks that they're doing? <laughs> okay. Please join us. Obviously, we have really hit our stride <laughs> in July of 2023. <laughs> it's, a, it's a peak. For more of this nonsense. 
please rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter. We have a Facebook page. And we have a lovely website. Go dock yourself. Please come and tell us where we fell off the rails. We'd be <laughs> happy to hear it. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it's been uh, super fun. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know that I've been this excited for next week in a long time. So stay tuned, guys. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. Have a great week. Later. Yep. Bye. Bye.